0: Live from the Kings County Distillery Studios in New York City, it's the Hospitality Hangout Podcast with the restaurant guy and the finance guy. We've got our whiskey on the rocks ready because it's five o'clock somewhere and encourage you to share a pour with us at home. Uh, Jimbo, we got a great show. Kick us off, buddy.
1: We do have a really good show today, I have to tell you. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to introduce our guests, but I got to tell you, Shads, it may not be five o'clock here, but as you said, it's five o'clock somewhere, so I'm going to enjoy some Kings County. Might enjoy it neat. Might drive it with rocks. Might even enjoy it with a little King I Me. A little, a little,
0: Pepsi, Jimmy. Have a, little, have a little
1: Pepsi. How about that for a promo? How about that for mm-hmm. a little tease? A little Kings County and Pepsi King Me. I'm all off right.
0: Jack and Coke, Jimmy. I'm off Jack and Coke. I'm all about Kings and Pepsi. Jack and what? Jack and what Jack yeah, and Coke? Exactly exact mundo. window
1: exactly You don't know Jack Jack. All right, I want to welcome you formally. Uh, to the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders at Branded Hospitality Ventures share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy.
0: And thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy. To all those listening, feel free to call me Schatzie. Together, we are the personalities behind branded strategic hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, capital, and emerging brands with incredibly famous Aha. celebrity stars. Yes. Yes, yeah, I, think, brands, I, think, I, think I think it's your mouthpiece, Jimmy. I think you got to get that thing away from your mouth a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's it too close. Yeah, it's like it's like you're talking inside that thing. We got to really – but, Jimmy, listen. While you fix that mouthpiece, I got to talk to you because there's something that's been bothering me, and I couldn't sleep a wink last night. And I told you this. I told you I couldn't sleep. I spoke to you this morning. I said – you said, how are you? I said I didn't sleep. You know what's keeping me up at night, Jimmy? It's not ambient. I'll tell you that. It's not keeping up at night. No, definitely. <laughs> I, I think I need that. But I got to tell you, as an operator in the restaurant space, you know what one of the biggest problems and challenges we have is – Labor. Labor. It's labor. It is. It's just a big problem. I don't know why. I don't know who's doing it. I don't know what's going on. But I got to tell you, Jimmy, what if I told you there was a report? There's a report out there that showed you what other restaurants were paying their employees. What would you do? I would go get the report. How much it cost? Well, let me tell you, Jimmy, it's, I'm glad you asked that. Don't bear the leaders at what's it cost? Don't bear the leaders. There's an hour work QSR wage report out there. It is free, Jimmy. It's free, and it features data from over 100,000 quick service jobs in over 900 zip codes,
1: Jimmy one of the few and times you get the numbers right shots i do love that i love well, the only time to show you, you yes you get the numbers right, right on this me. Yes, yes yes data me. data
0: look listen our work is it easy to use software it's great software we love our work okay it can double double jimmy your applicant flow and increase retention jimmy get this one by over 30 percent are you listening to me jimmy 30 percent. Our work serves nearly 8,000 restaurants across brands, little brands, Jimmy, like McDonald's, Domino's, McDougal's, some of the brands that you love and know, right? I mean, you've been to McDougal's.
1: I have been coming to America, baby. Love that. Love Love their knockoffs.
0: Yeah, so listen, all I know, Jimmy, you want to get the report, here's what you do. You go to qsrwages.com. That's qsrwages.com. You put the, po- the code in podcast, and you know what happens? Your free report, it becomes even more free. It becomes even more free. I don't It's even better. It's freer than free. All serious. You get a free gift. You put in podcast in the code qsrwages.com. You get a free code. It's all, it's all put together by our friends at ourwork.com. Jimmy, here's a little jingle. Are you ready? I'm ready. Forwork.com. All right, Jimmy, that's it. My shameless
1: plug is over. Come on, kick us off because we got a guest here and he's got things to do. Yes, he does. I'm very excited for today's episode. Joining us is our friend, Mr. Andy Hooper, CEO of Heart House. This is going to be a very, very fun show. It's not just a celebrity guest.
0: It's a celebrity restaurant and a celebrity guest. We got a celebrity operator and a celebrity uh, owner.
1: Celebrity squared. It's so you saying that's what we got? Celebrity owner, celebrity operator. All right, okay. listen. Well, we're listen, Andy's level celebrity than this. Andy's been very patient, but before we let him get in the show, okay, we got to play our trivia Tuesday. Never to be confused with Taco Tuesday. We we'll leave that to Taco John's out in Jersey. You all know how to play the game. Every uh, Tuesday we release our podcast, and we're gonna play the game. Two truths and a lie. All right, the way you play the game, Shatzi's an expert at this game. I'm going to list three facts about our friend Andy. Two are true. One, eh, less true or false or a lie. All right, here we go. All right, fact one, Andy had to rollerblade to his job as a valet parker because he didn't have a car. Fact two. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The, wait, wait, I got to go slow. I got to think about this. Okay. Andy I'm had to rollerblade roll oh. to, his, to his job as a valet parker because he didn't have a car. He's parking cars. doesn't have a car. Rollerblades. blades. Fact two Andy is married twice to the same woman, but never divorced.
0: Twice to the same woman. Okay, that's like renewing their vows. That's like renewing their vows. Right? I think it's very, very sweet. I can
1: see Andy being a sweet guy there. This is the one I liked. Fact three Andy adopted a 100% plant based diet after a health
0: scare. Well, that makes perfect sense based on Hard House.
1: You, but if it's so obvious like maybe that's the ruse maybe that's maybe that's that's the head fake
0: no you don't you don't you don't leave all the jobs andy's had to go to hard house because you just love uh, you know vegetarian you, you go there because you really buy into you really believe all right. it. you know I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, I listen right. right, well, I listen we'll, come right, we'll get to this, this. I'll give right. you my guess, cause you know I'm almost, I'm like 98% right on this. All point. right, to our guests, right. to our listeners, please
1: remember, you got to stick stick around to the end of the uh, end of the show to find the real story. Fact one: Andy rolled blade to his job as a Valley Parker had no car. Fact two: Married twice, same woman, never divorced. Fact three: Adopted a 100% plant-based diet after a health scare. I have my guesses too, but that comes up later. All right, Andy, without further ado, literally, without further ado, we get to bring you into the show. We'll let you take the lead. Please give us a little background about yourself. And of course, please introduce Hardhouse to our audience. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Jimmy
2: and Chatty. Appreciate you guys having me on today. Excited to be here. Um, so yeah, a little bit about me. I'm a lifelong restaurant guy. So I guess if I was on the podcast, I would be the restaurant guy and not the finance guy in the scenario. Um, Have grown up for 20 plus years now in the business and had a bunch of really interesting opportunities to lead teams and kind of work my way from my time at Burger King in human resources, running a a portion of the business that was huge for a global 50-year-old franchised brand, kind of all the way upstream through some time with Cafe Rio, building out that brand. Uh, to Ant Pizza and helping build that brand, to now my opportunity to partner with Kevin and the team at Hart House, and you know what we're bringing to the world right now is really what we see as the future of quick service food. I think you know we look at our crystal ball, and you guys were talking in the opening a bit about the challenges with labor out there and the challenges with food cost out in the market and the operators kind of trying to figure out what the future of this business looks like on the other side of intra pandemic operating and you know we we're, we're bringing what we see as the future of this category forward we started with craveable and delicious food it just so happens that that's also made from plants because i think when you look 30 40 50 years out into the future regardless of your persuasion and your preference it's undeniable that plant-based food is going to be more and more prevalent as we look forward into the future, and I think you know what we've done is build this brand with food that's delicious and craveable. Uh, it's free from cholesterol and antibiotics and hormones and artificial stuff, uh, but it is objectively delicious in its own right. And for me, that was a really important part of this journey, alongside the opportunity to build something that truly changed the game for employees in the space. I think, you know, spending 20 plus years in this business, it's very clear how how much of it depends upon the experience of frontline employees. And so Kevin and I are committed to reinventing that alongside the menu to build the restaurant of the future.
0: I love it. I got to tell you, I love it. And I think it dovetails into the, uh, the truth and a dare, you know, Jimmy, but we'll get into that later. I got to tell you, <laughs> listen, before we take a deep dive into <laughs> your life, and and Hard House and everything you're doing, we got to take a deeper dive. uh I think you went to the University of Miami. You went to the U, correct? I did, as a matter of fact. All right, so let's yes. go back. It's 1999. You're a freshman at the U, and you're thinking about life and what can you do. You have four years at the U. I don't know how did you go from the U, this great school down in Miami. You got sun. You got the beach. You got the ladies. You got the the bikinis. You got everything going on there.
1: And so hey, family-friendly
0: show, Shanti. Family-friendly. It friendly. is family-friendly, and you know, look, Burger King had a base down there, so I get it. You're at Pizza Cafe Rio. I mean, how'd you get in from the U? How'd you get into the? How did you get into the restaurant biz? What was your first gig? And and tell us. And how did that kind of then lead you to to Kevin Hart?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I had started before I went to school. I grew up in Seattle, south of Seattle, out on the West Coast, and. My first job actually was washing dishes at a full service casual dining restaurant, and so what, was the, what, what, what I, restaurant? Could you tell us the name? Yeah, it was. It, it, it's not around today. It was a one of one concept back in a town called Gig Harbor called the Harvester, and it mm. was like it was like an Applebee's sort of type of joint, sure. but you know, like neighborhood bar and grill. Um, yep. You know, at the time, maybe child labor laws were or were not totally followed, you know, being 12 and you were yeah. working yeah. The yeah. way. <laughs> 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 I was washing dishes. I will tell you, you learn more. And Anthony Bourdain said this, too, right? He wrote about this whole bunch. You learn so much about yourself and about the world. And about people from different parts of the world and walks of life by working in the kitchen of a restaurant. There's no substitution for the empathy that you gain. Back of the house, man. That's what the action is. Indeed. Um, So, you know, when I went to school at the U, uh, I needed to to make ends meet and pay for my tuition. Uh, So I spent
0: a lot of time working in different hospitality jobs. As a a guy who has a son at the U, I must say, (laughs) I don't know if it's the most expensive school in the country, but it's certainly up there it is up there and there's no way I would have been there had I there's no way I would have
2: been there had I not been on scholarship um so but but, they, but
0: even the scholarship it's not like they give you they give you like a little bit to tease you
2: uh, well at the time I was fortunate enough to get a little bit more than a little bit otherwise there's no way I would have been there um, oh, good for you but but I, but you know I, I worked I worked in restaurants and in hospitality jobs a lot when I was in school um, and you know when I when I was graduating, 2002 was not the best time to find a job post nine eleven. I mean, it was awful. And, you know, for me, Burger King in the backyard, I had a professor who taught at the U, adjunct, and he happened to be the head of global human resources at Burger King. And so this was the make friends, get the job, secure the bag. Uh, So for most of my senior year in college, I was going to school at night and working full time during the day as a recruiter. And, you know, that really got me in and got me an opportunity to just grow and learn. And Burger King went through a tremendous amount of transition in the 10 years that I was there. It Mm -hmm. was taken private, it went public, it was taken private again. With each one of those major changes, I had an opportunity to do something different, move to a different part of the world, make new relationships, learn more about the business. And so that was a really formative time for me. And when I left, I left to go work with a partner that I had built a relationship with who had been sort of a mentor to me during my time at Burger King. Uh, he was the CEO at Cafe Rio out in Salt Lake City. And so, you know, I had an opportunity when that brand was 35 restaurants to join, work with that team, grow and build it up to north of 100 restaurants. We sold it. I had no intention of leaving. Uh, I rolled a bunch of my equity forward, and by the way, as a shameless plug, still waiting for that Cafe Rio team to make it to the finish line so that I can pay for my kids' <laughs> college. Shatsy, Cat, um, Cafe Rio, and, baby. Yeah, uh, and then I and then I went to Ant Pizza, which was a really awesome opportunity to take a you know a purpose driven employee first brand um, as a as a business leader. Then, having been an HR leader for much of my career. Uh, and you know, when I left to do that, there were very few things that would, what I would do instead of what I was doing at ant pizza. And one of them was to have the opportunity to build a brand from scratch. And so, you know, when I had the opportunity to meet Kevin and the team and learn more about what he was trying to do, it was one of those things where, and we both know Alice Elliott, you know, Alice called me after I had left ant pizza, was like, Andy, you got to take this call. I said, no, I don't. I'm going to take the summer and go fly fishing in park city. And she said, No, 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 you have to take this call. And I said, No, I don't. Like, you don't understand. You can't She's
1: like, No, the tower of power.
2: Yeah. And she said, No, 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 trust me on this one. And she was right. You know, I picked up the phone and and answered the bell. And it was just an, an amazing opportunity that really fit with my ethos and also with
0: what I wanted to try to accomplish professionally. When, when she told you it was Kevin Hart, did you think that you were going to be starring in one of his movies? No, no.
2: Actually, the first thing that came to mind was, you know, I had been seeing Kevin everywhere. And my first reaction was, how does he have time? He's he's doing all of these other things. And, you know, Kevin is not I I remember seeing Kevin at the improv in Coconut Grove when I was a student at the University of Miami, because Kevin and I are basically the same age. And, you know, and he was just getting onto the comedy circuit at the time and seeing him today and how prolific his business career has gotten my first reaction was this guy's got no time and I didn't want anything to do with it because I was thinking to myself he's going to be absentee it's going to be a bunch of egos it's gonna be difficult to manage and candidly it, it, it couldn't be further from the truth
1: you know I had a uh, at a basketball coach who used to tell me um if you want to get something done give it to the busiest person you know because they they, yeah. they find ways to get things done. That's why they're busy, but they have to be so zeroed in and they're present when they need to be present. Um, I was also going to give a, a, a plug to our friend, uh, Alice Elliott and the Elliott Group. They make futures happen. And Andy, you're now testament to that and listening to, uh, to our friend no, Jimmy, partner, it reminds Alice. me, everything's better together. Better together? She made that happen too. Alice makes things happen. All right, better together. I like that, Chancy. Listen, when I think of your career path, and thank you for sharing uh you know so much about it uh i can't help but think a little bit about you know like david and goliath um and it's not not good or bad but you've gone it's not good bad at the evil versus good it's just you've gone from running meaningful giant brands i mean and now leading you know a a emerging small but mighty brand filled with courage commitment and heart um Pause for effect. if that was <laughs> No that pun. No And that, pun um, Jimbo. That, that, that <laughs> pun was absolutely intended. Fill with heart. Um, but, um, but, no, but, but again, not good or bad, just different. And your experience, you have a huge competitive advantage because you have the skills um, that come from seeing and running and being an executive at a large company. And now you're bringing that skill set you know, to, you know, to, you know, the, to the underdog, um, because it's never easy to break into this competitive landscape. So I, you know, this, I believe, has led to your own ethos, which is doing things by design, not by default. And as a guy that loves quotes, I will use that, but I will give attribution to Andy, because I'm all on the big attributor. (laughs) By design, not by default. Can you share a little bit more about this strategy that you've developed?
2: Sure. Yeah. So early on in my time with Burger King, I had a mentor outside the organization who helped really kind of shape my philosophy and leadership in business. And in addition to a bunch of other concepts that I still hold on to and share with my teams today that are sort of part of what I would, what they would refer to as like a human operating system. You know, everyone's got an operating system. Your phone's got an operating system. As humans, we've got this operating system. Um, You know, one of the truisms underneath that is that you can get a lot more done when things happen on purpose instead of by accident. And so for me, this is the by design, not by default. When I, when I started with the team at Hardhouse and had my first meeting with the folks that were already on the ground working for the brand when I joined. Did you fire them all I, the first I told, thing you did? No, no. I told them all, <laughs> I told them all this. I said, we're building something. And Jimmy, to your point, like we're going to make mistakes. It's an emerging brand. And we're all coming into this thing with a bunch of preconceived notions, habits, ideas, technology relationships, partnerships, work relationships, and they may or may not work in this. So in order to know why something worked and why it didn't, let's make sure everything happens on purpose instead of by accident so that we can actually attribute something to that or not. And I think that's a really important part of building something is the intentionality of saying, well, we did this, we measured it, it didn't work. I think a lot of times, it, when you come from a big company, there is a fear in that kind of, tra- you know, transparency, because people get fired for that stuff in big companies. In small companies, you have to be that courageous to, to name and claim mm-hmm. something and to just be able to pivot quickly. And, um, you know, it's been great for the culture of Heart House, because one of our business partners is Michael Rubin, the CEO of Fanatics, and like to me Ruben is like the king of pivots you got some, some really good partners over there i got to tell you yeah it's a good group um but there's this there's this truth there of like keep trying stuff keep pivoting keep moving like keep keep iterating um and there's such a big component to hart house that involves this continuous iteration because we also know that we're out in front we have this 100% plant-based concept it's early innings for plant-based food make no mistake mm-hmm. so sure. the brand positioning for this has been very deliberate it's not a vegan brand it's not a plant-based brand it's a qsr brand that serves burgers chicken sandwiches and shakes it yeah, just why so not, happens man, that
0: those things are made from something else that's it yeah i think it's awesome and uh, and i got to tell you listen you got a couple locations i think it's four locations if i'm not mistaken they're all out in the west yep, coast four. yep I think what we have here, we're very excited because I'm a hospitality hangout. We break news all the time. Most people say we break more news than CNBC. We break <laughs> more news than, I mean, page six doesn't do what we do over here. I mean, we have things breaking. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, live on the hospitality hangout, we have breaking news. Jimmy, I don't even think you know this breaking news. I don't even think Andy knows the breaking news. But we are announcing right now, new locations are coming to the East Coast. What can you tell us, Mr. Hooper, about these East Coast restaurants? Sure, yeah. I and mean, please don't very, see, you can't say anything after I just gave you that.
2: No, yeah, <laughs> no. It's, so, so what's great? What's great is that you know there's a level of conviction in this brand out of the gate that exists where we just know that this is going to work. Like we, we know we may not have the recipe today. We may, we know we may not have, we may have to tweak things, but there's this belief and conviction that it's going to work. And so alongside that has become a lot of proactive work to seed markets other than Southern California. Uh, when I joined, you know, the conversations we had as a board at the Hart house were about where do we take this next? Because given that it is Kevin's business and it is plant-based That feels very California. That feels like a natural fit. But this is not a plant-based celebrity brand. This is a QSR brand. And so we wanted to go to a place that's very different, right out of the gate, to help show folks that this is a broad QSR. It's got legs. It's got staying power, baby. And so we're looking at sites in, in Atlanta, looking at sites in D.C., up the Amtrak corridor, through Baltimore and Philly to New York.
1: We're getting closer.
0: We're getting closer. You yeah. yeah. don't in. usually come to New York so fast. I love the whole Atlanta. I think the Florida Atlanta thing is definitely uh, you know, that's that's the East Coast, I'm thinking. New York's always yeah. a little that's always last.
2: Yeah, but see, from my perspective, I think one of the things that's really interesting is is New York consumers obviously are so different than Southern California consumers. And Philadelphia kevin's hometown you know baltimore dc lots of you know emerging concepts coming out of the mid-atlantic coast and ultimately going that way you know i think we see this as a real opportunity to ensure that people see the brand and they see it playing everywhere that big qsr plays well today i love it
1: I right, wait. So listen, I hope I, I, I love that you said it coming up the Acela corridor. We're going to get what I hope in New York and I hope it's near our offices. And I know that comment <laughs> to many of you who know me, you know, and know how much I enjoy a steak dinner and I'm cutting up a big porterhouse. Might be surprise, I surprised. think, think plant based. But, no, but, but we'll be surprised <laughs> by excitement for plant-based food. But to be honest, I'm a fan. And from our previous conversations, Andy, you told me one of the most amazing data points from your first year in business has been the percentage of, we'll call it your regular customers who are not even plant-based eaters. Okay, They, they, they just want to experience what it is Hardhouse is doing. So can, can you share with us, you know, what is it that makes your fast, casual burger so great that the customers are not missing the beef?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think so many puns in there that it's difficult for me to just race right (laughs) in. I think, come on. I speak in puns. I speak in puns. Apparently. (laughs) I mean, I think first and foremost, yeah, so you got that right. Factually speaking, more than half of our customers are not plant based eaters. So we do, you know, like most people do post purchase surveys. And for us, Early on, we wanted to really understand, like, was the positioning of the concept as a QSR brand that happened to be plant-based resonating with folks? Over 50% of our customers report that they're carnivores. They're enjoying a porterhouse as well. Um, But they're looking at this as an occasion where they want something craveable and delicious. And if they can replace their Shakey Shack experience or their Five Guys experience or their Chick-fil-A experience with something that is equal to or better in taste, better for them, better for life in general, like they're going to do it because they're going to compete on cost and taste. And I think for us, one of the things we've done that has been a big part of what is causing people to not miss that beef, Jimmy, is that we are priced right. A lot of plant-based operators have this huge premium. I always laugh when I go Mm -hmm. to a restaurant, I see the Wagyu burger is 18 bucks or you can sub an impossible patty for $3 more. And it's like, on what planet should the impossible patty cost more than the Wagyu patty? Like a, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> to a consumer. And so, you know, we said, what's wrong with this space today? Well, what's wrong is that it's unaffordable and it's not good. And so we went after it the opposite way. You know, our burgers and our chicken sandwiches are not made with quinoa pellets or like, you know, corn chunks that you can see. They are made and taste like the real thing and they are made with clean label ingredients. And so what you end up with is this thing that feels very familiar. It's affordable. And it makes making that pivot really easy. And you know, like we're not trying to sell you a fake porterhouse. We're selling you a burger, which looks really familiar to what you're already eating today when you're out for a burger. I love it. I love
0: it. Will Will you have an LTO one day? And will that LTO be a beef burger?
2: Don't answer. Don't answer. I was just throwing it out there. Don't (laughs)
0: answer. I was just throwing it out there. Let me talk. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk technology. You know, Jimmy and I love, we love technology. We love innovation in the hospitality space. We've always been slow to embrace tech in this in this space you've been a long time lifelong restaurant guy dare i say starting washing dishes that was probably one of the most technologically advanced tools in a restaurant was the dishwasher at that restaurant in seattle you probably pulled down the machine and <laughs> maybe a little bit it of did. a conveyor you, you got know it, it. Yep. it automatically put some soap in i mean that was automation maybe i had a point of sale yep. system there Yep. Then you went to Burger King, and I'm sure you saw a lot more technology. What I love about an emerging brand like this is that you have a clean slate to, to really build on your tech stack. You know, what, what, how do you see it going? What is it going to be? There, you know, you don't have a 1,000 stores right now. You've got four and a whole bunch more coming. So let's talk tech. What's important to you on the tech side? Where are you putting your, your energies? What are you thinking about? Like where, where is that for you guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I like to speak to when I talk about this with my team, or I'm talking to folks like you guys or, you know, on stage at a trade show, is the importance of getting the business process right. And I think, you know, one of the big mistakes that a lot of early stage growth restaurants do is that they think that technology is going to help them create their business for them, right? They look at, they, they, they fall in love with a great user interface, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I love this person. I love what they're working on. Let me take that tool." And I have this saying where, uh, you know, like, uh, take a screwdriver for example. The brand of that screwdriver, it could be a seventy-year-old craftsman that was passed
0: down from your from your father. What about Stanley, I love Stanley. Yeah, yeah. When when you've got when you've got a screwdriver, <laughs> Black like and that. Decker. Who doesn't love Black and Decker? <laughs> one one of
2: my favorite <laughs> things is is a lot of growth restaurants. Or salespeople in tech will come in and say, hey, I got a new screwdriver for you. Why don't you check out this new screwdriver? And and I would say, it's not, it's not the screwdriver that needs to be replaced. It's the mindset of the user. And so I tell my team, you know, if you hand a screwdriver to a mechanic, something gets fixed. If you hand it to a criminal, somebody gets hurt. It's not the screwdriver's fault. And a lot of restaurant tech is like that screwdriver. A lot of times we hand that tech to a criminal instead of to a mechanic. And so what we're working on and what I think a lot of early stage folks need to do is build as many mechanics as you can, get the business process right, and then go search for your tech partner with real clarity about what it is that you're trying to solve for. Because it candidly makes those tech companies better for you too. You get the right tool then, and Shatsy, to your point, you get to reimagine the way that this looks when you start a business from the beginning. Part of it is making sure you know what business you are in from the beginning. And, and, you know, anybody who says they know exactly what they need at zero restaurants or four restaurants. I, like making it
0: it up. I will say one thing. You give me a Phillips head. There's nothing I can't fix. Okay. I'm just telling you right now, you give me a, fi- a Phillips head, and some duct tape, Phillips head and duct tape, maybe a two by four. There's nothing I
1: can't do. Yeah, you give me a Phillips, you give me a Phillips head. I'm going to give it to Shatsy. Uh, I'm going to pass it along. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I do like Andy how you you actually brought back the idea of choosing technology essentially again with intentionality, which you talked about before. I also love how earlier you were all about the craveability, the uh, the taste, the, the 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 value, and I think a lot of people, and that's why I really do love Sh- uh, Shatzi for many reasons. But as our restaurant guy, and you're a restaurant guy, if you really, you you have to think first and foremost what makes restaurants work, and it's not the speed. It's not the tech. It's not the giz- the gizmo. It is going to be the quality and the enjoyment of the food and the value. Does the guests see value? And I didn't say expensive. I didn't say cheap. I just said value because there's a price point, and then there's the value for that price point, and that's really where you win the loyalty of guests. But I love how you went right to the quality of the food, the craveability, and the value that you're, you're giving your guests. But going back to, yeah, Jimmy,
0: we're just going to say, you know, yeah. we've we've spoken to people, and they insisted. That the food doesn't matter. It's how fast food doesn't not Yes. And I'm like, what? They're like, oh, if you get it in five minutes, who cares? I'm like, what do you mean who cares?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean- it's, it's, it's shocking. I mean, I hear we hear that so often about it's just the speed. I'm like, in what world? Maybe you'll do it the first time, and then you bite into that that burger or that sandwich, and it's not good. Well, it came to you fast, and you're never ordering it again. So yes. yeah, you, got one, you got one order. But listen, going back to Mottos, um, anyone who knows me knows my affinity for the phrase, it takes a village. Um, and again, that I really believe a lot of, if any success brand it's having, it's because we believe, um, in the community and the village and, and how you're better to, you want to go fast, go to go alone. You want to go far, go together. Um, that was another model, I guess, but we've intentionally thus far on this podcast, not talked about Mr. Hart and Kevin Hart, of course, that is because as restaurant operators ourselves, we really do know it's the team that makes the strong operation and the strength at any company. So that being said, Can you share a little bit more about Kevin's role in this business and and really how he is a partner? And this is not a vanity project for him, or this is not something he just put his name on, but talk about him as your partner. Yeah. I mean, as I mentioned at the top, I
2: think that was a big concern for me, given how busy he is. Uh, But from the moment that I first met Kevin, you know, my first experience meeting him was actually backstage at the Staples Center, which is now the crypto.com arena there in L.A., Uh, right before his first show on the reality check comedy tour that he just wrapped now over a year later. And Kevin and I spent over an hour together one-on-one backstage prior to him going on stage to do a show with 20,000 people talking about this and why he cared about this. And for me, that was sort of the first measure of the fact that like this was not a vanity project for him at every step of the way, he has been a partner, whether it's configuration of the menu or making a decision to change which plant-based protein we were using for our burger prior to launch, or along the way to think about how to amplify the brand or where and when to step into it. We have been very intentional together about not making this about Kevin and instead giving the brand enough muscle and enough cachet to operate independently on its own and be a partner extension of his world and so you'll you'll notice the way Kevin shows up is very much not as a mascot like I like to joke like he's not Ronald McDonald he's Ray Crock right and there's a difference in that in that setup like he's the one bringing this thing to life and it just so happens that the thing that Kevin has that very few other people have is this broad appeal an exceptional reach for the top of the funnel? And so most growth people would kill for 280 million followers on social to amplify anything that you do. But Jimmy, back to your point about getting it right when it comes to food quality, to service, that means that the pressure's on me and the team in a good way to be able to put all of our resources into just delivering an exceptional experience because then I know that if I go to him and I say we're exceptional yell it from the rooftops he will and it works uh and it's amazing if anybody listening hasn't had a chance to check it out yet if you if anybody's on tiktok and in the food space you're going to be familiar with keith lee who does food critic reviews former mma guy based in vegas keith came to our opening in hollywood did a review he is not a plant-based eater um but like you know one of the things kevin does as a business partner kevin can call keith lee up and say hey why don't you come review my restaurant? Like I'm confident that my food will play. Come do it. I can't make that call to Keith Lee, <laughs> but Kevin can, and that's a perfect example of his role in the business. You know, he he trusts me and the team to do what we need to do, and when it's time for us to really lean on him in that, in a big way, he does and he comes through.
0: I love it. I think what to 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 your point about how much time and energy you were, you know, putting into making sure that the product is right, the food is right, the operation is right. You guys, I mean, you've got four stores now, you're coming to the East Coast, um, but yet you haven't done any off-prem, you haven't done delivery yet. You know, you think about off-prem and delivery space in, in, in in the QR space, in particular, QSR space, I should say. I mean, it's so much of a restaurant today in the QSR space is delivery. It is takeout. It is off-prem. That's a big part of their business. But you guys, and I know when we open restaurants, like, we don't do takeout or delivery for a long time. We don't do lunch or or, or brunch for a long time because you want to get it right. And it seems like you guys are really taking it like that. You're, like, looking at it like, I can't do delivery. I can't do off-prem. I got to make sure – that before I do anything, I've got to make sure that when you come into my restaurant and you order, it's perfect. So you guys have put off delivery and takeout until, from what I understand, you're just starting to offer it now. What, can you just share a little bit about that, or did I touch on all the points, or am I just right because I'm a restaurant guy and I'm right? <laughs> well, I, the E,
2: all of the above. I mean, I think
0: the – Thank you. I appreciate Jimmy, you heard that, right?
2: I was yeah, right. The uh, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> The, the, the answer is yeah, we, we just we just started doing delivery last week. And it's been exceptional for us in the first week. Right. Not surprisingly, because if you think about the the advantage of being on a third party marketplace, it is awareness, first and foremost. Sure. And Kevin's name on a business is amplified awareness, even, you know, orders of magnitude larger than it would be for another brand. We were You know, very intentional back to that motto of by design, not by default, to make sure that the only way somebody could get the food was to walk into one of our restaurants so that they could get the full experience, so that they could see the level of service, so that they could eat the food hot. Um, You know, if you were to do a SWOT analysis on Heart House, number one strength, Kevin. Number one opportunity, Kevin. Number one, you know, threat, Kevin. Number one weakness, Kevin. Why? Because When it's all on somebody and they've got that kind of a profile, it can be very challenging if you don't open and have an exceptional product. And I know you guys are familiar with them. I am, too. The team at Mr. Beast, you know, you look at what Jimmy Donaldson has just come out and sort of basically said, like, I'm over this stuff now at this point because he can't control quality. And I think that's a cautionary tale for restaurateurs to make sure that they understand that if they're in this for the long term and not just to make a quick buck on a trend. You got to be intentional about making sure that the the experience you deliver is the one that you want people to remember. And it's funny. I was joking with somebody the other day that like I almost want to make people prove that they've come to my restaurant once before I let them – order delivery like I want to I want to sell membership cards that prove that you've walked in (laughs) and that you loved your visit so that it's like a disclaimer like the one that Dave's hot chicken makes you sign when you have a reaper you know it's like no like I know that this could kill me like it's okay and and I think when it comes to delivery that was where we wanted to get to and you know I'm proud to say Shatsy, that we're at we're at like a 4.8 on uber eats as a rating out of the gate because we've done the packaging work done the product hold time work done the education and made sure that delivery actually works. So,
0: yeah, I love it. Cause it's, it's a different business, you know, that the whole delivery and especially if you're using third party you know, you're relying on someone else, uh, you know, so you want to really want to make sure that the, that your brand, your product is perfect, that people have seen the stores, they've come in, they've experienced it. And, and, and that's awesome. I love it. It's, it's, it's really a lesson for everybody that's opening a restaurant today. You got to take it slow and make sure your products fantastic. And I think you're Mr. Beast. Um, analogy is, is it's spot on, you
1: know? No, as you talk, there's a lot of intentionality uh, as you were describing the steps you took. And and I also love that in a sea of sameness, um, you guys are differentiating yourselves. And it's not, and Kevin's a part of that, of course, but actually it is the menu. It is the food that is actually the differentiator. Uh, Kevin might bring some extra awareness to it. But by all means, it's coming down to the differentiation and the quality. A couple of dollars, move too, on, Jimmy. I
0: bet she brings a couple of
1: dollars. Couple of dollars add, add a couple of dollars, uh, and a couple of a couple of followers, maybe a few, six, six or seven. All right. Yeah, before yeah, we move on, though, too. But before we move on, and and other than the expansion, what is next on the shelf? And yes, hint hint for the Hard House.
2: Uh, well, so you know, one of the things that will be central to our growth is the ability for us to sell through different distribution channels. And so, uh, you know, today we manufacture and sell our own shake here coming up pretty soon. You know, we're, we're doing the same with chicken. Like the products that you're getting inside of a heart house are... Hours and so it makes total sense if we are putting the time and energy into the vertical integration yep. of our own supply chain. You know we don't need the help of other plant-based folks in the space, both because we don't necessarily think the products are good enough, and because we have the brand. And so I think before long you will see Heart House Heart Foods products on the shelf uh, in grocery in non-traditional retail. As an opportunity for people to get and experience that. And if I can, I'll probably have them do the same thing, which is sign a waiver that they've come to my restaurant and had it before before they buy it because I'll know that they're getting it the right way, so...
1: No, I love the – I love how you guys, again, with intentionality are going to be entering the CPG space, and and again, I think it's going to prove to be a big win uh, for you and your company. All right, listen, I want to move on a little bit. Hey, by the way,
0: Jimbo, I was just looking, by the way. They got 145,000 followers on Heart House already.
1: Wow, that's like 142,000 more than you have, Shatsy.
0: No, but I mean, with, with four restaurants, with four restaurants, that have 145,000 followers. It's unbelievable. I mean, you know, it's really, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. If you had 100 restaurants, it's unbelievable.
1: It is pretty good. You know what? There is there is some value in uh in, in not just the differentiator, but having a such a likable uh, and successful uh, leader at the top. Andy and Andy, oh yeah, you got your, and you got your partner too, Kevin, too. I met you, Andy. I met you, Andy. I met you, you, Andy. I met with you, Andy. Andy, how many followers
0: right. right. do you have? There's no way Andy's got that. There's no let's way. Check. No, sir. Yeah, let's We're going to look exciting. up Andy Hooper.
1: All right, tell me, Chancy, while you're, look, while you're looking up, I'm going to move on. Uh, because while we started the podcast, because we like talking to people, we learned along the way that sometimes. Of Jimmy, thousand followers, okay? Okay. We learned along the way that sometimes our guests have a question or two for us. So we're going to kick off talking back. Andy, you're going to let you have the microphone. Uh, you, you can ask us anything you like. As I like to say, nothing is off the question. Um, and really, Chatsy, you're really poking at Andy with his thousand followers. Leave the guy alone. He's our friend. He's our guest. <laughs> George, Hi, point.
0: Kevin's got two hundred million followers. Yeah. The restaurant's got one hundred forty-five thousand followers. I'm going to help Andy on his followers. I'm going.
1: I'm going to help him out. All right, Andy, right. uh, your your microphone, your question. Shachi shut up.
0: <laughs> so
2: so here's my question for you guys today. So you're you guys spend a lot of time talking to leaders who are in this space. You've made tons of investments into emerging restaurant brands, technology companies, you know, marketing et cetera, everything that's adjacent to that. What do you think the biggest mistake is that the industry has made over the last five years?
0: Ooh, good question. I'm not going to say the biggest mistake. Jimmy, I might get in trouble. I I might have to let you go first. But uh, I'm going to say a mistake. I don't know if it's the biggest mistake, but we just kind of touched on a little bit. I think a mistake the industry has made, or at least somebody who had some of the people's uh, and the industry's ear mistake. I think we touched on it. Uh, The idea that food doesn't matter, quality doesn't matter, taste of food doesn't matter, I think is a tremendous (laughs) mistake in the food and hospitality space. That's what matters first. So I think... Uh, and maybe – and it wasn't really just a COVID phenomena because these virtual brands, ghost kitchens, whatever the, 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 the naming convention you want to use, as they started proliferating, I think people – again, I'm not going to say necessarily industry people, but maybe it's outside sources or outside affecting. Maybe it was money people. Somebody came up with the idea and started pushing that you can anybody can make the food and as long as it gets there fast it doesn't matter and that was a big big mistake and a lot of money has been lost in that idea that i could open up the heart house i could you know package a brand put a big name on it and and i can just go get anybody can make it and it doesn't matter what it tastes like or what it looks like and it's Kevin's name, it's hard and it's going to be a huge success. I think that has, in my opinion, that was a big mistake, it is a big mistake, and it's turning out to be um, a big mistake. That's, Eddie, I mean, you know, and no, 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 no
1: disrespect to anybody. Yeah, yeah. No, Andy, i a little nervous there. I'll, I'll extrapolate off Shatsy's comment and say, I think um, this is, first of all, the, as an industry, we employ the second largest uh, number of people in in the country. We're the second largest employer in the United States. So um, we're a big industry, okay? And we're an incredibly fragmented industry. Two thirds of this market are are dominated by SMBs and over 50% are actually independents, which is defined as, as owners of one or two restaurants. That fragmentation, I really believe that while this industry is being transformed and digitized, I'll extrapolate from Shats's point. I do think we've got to listen to operators and restaurant folks. I, and I think that's why I think Andy, you're you're such an ideal person for the, to take the helm of this company. I think it's why Shatzi is such an ideal person to be, you know, my partner in this. And I and I think that all technicians, all you know, the folks that want to help in the transformation, I think it's a mistake not to understand from operators where the pain points where the friction, where the opportunities lie. I'm not saying it's done alone, but I'm saying it has to be in partnership with the operators. Some operators are going to hold to legacy, hold to their convictions. They don't want to change things. But I think given what's going on in the industry, this transformation is happening. And I think it's absolutely going to start with, as Shad's point, the food, the experience. We talked about the value. And if you start with that guest experience and extrapolate from there, I think you can have a great success. But if you ignore that component, the operators, I think you have a recipe potentially for disaster. Guests have a unique relationship with food. It's something we put into our body. It's not just a, it's not just a purchase. It's not just buying something you're gonna put on your, you know, you wear or drive or 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 use. You're actually consuming it. I think that makes it unique. So I know it's a long answer. Chat is not surprised, um, but I'll tell you, I think the biggest shorter yeah, than most of your
0: answers, yes, Jimmy. But the, the biggest listen? mistake
1: is yeah. is not understanding the unique relationship the guest has with the hospitality industry.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's brilliant. I love it. It was a great question. I really love it. But Jimmy, you know, some running low on time, and we've got to get right to the Food Service Feud. Woo-hoo! One of the most incredible, one of the most incredible segments on any podcast. We got the Celebrity Edition Food Service Feud, and no better guest than Andy Hooper to take us through the Food Service Feud. I mean, I gotta tell you, every week we have, we have a poll on LinkedIn. We ask hundreds and hundreds of millions of people a question, and we get millions and millions of responses. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Hooper, are you ready for the food service feud? I am ready. Mr. Jimmy Frischling, finance guy, are you ready for the food service feud?
1: I'm ready. I have my my
0: imaginary buzzer. I am going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you the four choices, and you tell me what is number one on the board. Are you ready? Which hey. of the following actors, all who happen to have been co stars with Mr. Kevin Hart, got their start working at a restaurant in California? Is it Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Brian Cranston, Will Farrell, or Ice Cube? Go! Ding! Jimmo! Will, Will Farrell! Ding, 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 ding! He doesn't even let Mr. Hooper get, I guess. Jimmy Frischling steals it away. The family, the Frischling family has got the board and has won big <laughs> Mr. Will Farrell before becoming a very successful actor and one of my favorites and comedian and everything else he's done does not have a, uh, a restaurant to my understanding. He did work as a waiter at several restaurants one notable place he worked at was the restaurant called Coco's Bakery in Irvine, California. Loving Mr. Will Farrell. Jimmy, well done. I don't think you've ever won the feud before. Mr. Hooper, I'm <laughs> sorry. Happy, that happy to, to be your doormat for this.
1: Yes, season. yes. I was actually I was, I was, I was guessing my wife's got a big crush on Will Farrell and everything he does. So I figured I'd, I'd bring Will Farrell into the script. I didn't know into the episode. I didn't know he was the actual answer. But and just- I shall,
0: Yes. And just think if our work was around during those <laughs> days and Will Farrell was using our work, he may never have been in old school, Jimmy. He may have been in uh, man. I mean, I can't even tell you the movies we wouldn't have gotten if he just stayed at Coco's Bakery in Irvine, California. How we lucky know. are we?
1: Are we in a safe space? This, I thought it was a safe space. Safe circle. Circle of trust, right? Yeah. Safe space? Okay.
0: There's only three of us listening to this podcast, Jimmy.
1: Right. i was just, just quoting Will Farrell from old school. Okay, oh, listen. I'm going, safe going safe back. Space. Safe place. Safe place, right? Safe space? Good. All right. All right. Maybe something I've never <laughs> even thought. i never heard of. All right, listen. We talked earlier in the show about three facts about our friend Andy. True, true. One false. I'm going to do the quick review and the chat. going to guess. All right, here we go. The quick review. Fact one. Andy had to rollerblade to his job as a valet Parker. He didn't have a car. Fact two: Andy's married twice to the same woman, but never divorced. Fact three: Andy's adopted a hundred percent plant-based diet after a health scare. Shatzi, care to guess? Because I'm going to guess too. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, adopted a hundred plant. I agree with that. I think he
0: did. I don't know about the health scare, but I just think he adopted it because you know. I think that once he like took on this role, I think he needed to, and he probably is a closet burger eater that just doesn't want to tell anybody. You know, <laughs> I even think I may have seen him have a steak somewhere, but um, but we'll leave that alone for now. So I'm going to go with that, and I'm going to say I got to be honest. It- I don't know. I don't think he rollerbladed anywhere. I just think that he got married twice. He just seems like a lover. He just said, you know, to his wife, "Let's just let's renew our vows." You know, I love you. You're fantastic. And yeah, I'm going two and three, Jimmy. I don't think the rollerblading is nah.
1: So I'm, I'm going to say I think three is I think three is the falsity because while I think he I think he may have adopted the hundred percent plant based diet. Uh, I don't think it's for a health scare. I have to say I think he knows how many people are coming over to his place now that aren't plant-based diet eaters. I think three is false. That's what I'm going uh, with.
0: You might be right. But I wasn't, I didn't care about the health scare. I just thought he has a plant-based diet. Is that not right. I get partial credit for that?
2: Well, you know what? Let's go to Andy. Let's find
1: out.
0: All right.
2: Okay. So the answer is that three, I am not a plant-based eater. Uh,
0: yes. Shatzi, that means I, mean, right. I Can't believe that. I, right. I told you. I think I saw me the burger somewhere, so I knew that. I said it was a closet. Closet. Uh, no, because <laughs> the point
1: is Andy's right. company, his restaurant. You don't need to be a plant-based eater to enjoy the hardhouse. So you don't need to have the CEO be a plant-based eater. That was the that was the head fake, Shatzi head fake. Oh
0: man, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot yes <laughs> all right <laughs> wait, wait, hold on tell us, hold Don't, on get that i want to hear about the, the marriage twice yeah marriage twice oh yeah so I, my wife and i were engaged
2: and i got a new job with burger king outside of the u.s and so had to move before we got married and my wife said there is no way i'm quitting my job and moving anywhere with you unless we're married so we got married and then we got married again six months ago on the wedding that we had originally planned so,
1: uh-huh. oh, so you're
2: a newlywed? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I've been married for 15 years now, but that was <laughs> nice.
0: in the same. You just, well, you just actually ended up getting no, married no. Oh, okay, no, okay, no, no, got it. No. And the rollerblade? What's going on with the rollerblading to the job as a valet park? I mean, you had a license. So, so yeah, but so I mean, you have a car. We, talked, we <laughs> talked about
1: how
0: Talked about how expensive it is to go to the U.
2: So, you'll appreciate this if you know anything about Coral Gables. So, yes, I I do. My son lives there now. Yeah, I was trying to get into Riviera Country Club to work as a banquet server, and they didn't have any jobs available. And the only job was a ballet, and I had no car. So, I would rollerblade to work, you know, take it off, and then park Maybachs and Ferraris and other things. And I actually learned how to drive a stick. On one of the members, <laughs> on one of, on one of the members' nine eleven turbos. So
0: I'd like to see Let how that car just looking right now. The statute <laughs> of limitations.
1: Here, but... The statute of limitations is over. It's okay. Yeah, somebody's listening to this. And like, that's my
0: 9-11 clutch. <laughs> now I know why, man. i guy burnt down my clutch. Anyway, listen, it's awesome. Sense. I appreciate that. We got the branded quick fire coming up, because I gotta get I gotta get Andy out of here. He's got stores to open up on the East Coast. All right, Andy, I'm gonna ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. Don't think too long. Just first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Miami Hurricanes or Miami Dolphins? Hurricanes. All day. Where are you getting dinner from tonight, sir? Uh, Whole Foods. Nice. What's your favorite food city in the world, Mr. Hooper? Singapore. Wow. Ah, nice one. Where is your favorite place to travel?
2: Uh, any place that I have not been yet.
0: Oh, okay. Pretty good answer. I like, I like that. that answer. Yeah, that's a good answer. I'm going to have to steal that one. If you were to challenge Jimmy Rye to a hula hooping contest, Jimmy, stand up, take your shirt off.
1: the shaming
0: the shaming no but i mean a hula hoop i think jimmy's a good hula hooper i got the curves i know the curves i
2: take your shirt off he's thinking i I think neither of you neither of you stand a chance because my last
0: name is hooper Uh,
1: Uh Uh we
0: got the name hula hoopa. I love it. Yes. Yes. See what I did there? Mr. Hooper is a hula hoopa. I love it. All right. Jimbo, take us home. This has been a great one.
1: Andy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this afternoon and, uh, and for sharing all your great insights. We can't wait to see uh, what you and uh, and Mr. Hart do with Hart House. This is going to be something spectacular. We appreciate um, all your hard work, um, not just for your own company, but what you're doing for the industry uh, that we love so much. If, if our, any of our listeners want to get in touch with Andy directly, uh, you can email the podcast team at podcast at We'd be happy to make the introduction. And to our listeners, it goes without saying. Uh, that we couldn't be doing everything we're doing with the podcast and with our sponsors and and having fantastic guests like Andy uh, come on without your continued support. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, and we can't wait to continue to bring other great guests on and keep Jimmy, the your party office going. isn't on fire, is it? My <laughs> office is not on fire. My office is not on fire, but hey it's a, it's a show. There there is a fire truck going by. We are in New York City and then this happens. A special thank you to our friends at our work. Uh, for sponsoring this episode of the Hotspur.hangout. Yes, if you want to learn more about our work, please visit, as Shatsy said, ourwork.com. So this is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy, closing it out with appreciation of Mr. Hooper and passing it back to my boy Shotsie to close it right, out.
0: Quick, Jimmy, I got a little bit of housekeeping real quick. Andy, don't sign off yet. I just want to tell you, if you haven't read our newsletter every single Saturday morning, hospitalityheadline.com. That's the hospitalityheadline.com. Let me tell you one other thing two other things jimbo if you are looking for technology like the heart house right now is looking for technology you know where Andy hooper's finding all the best technology he's going to boom dot store that's where he finds mm-hmm. it all this boom dot store has over 500 leading technology providers for the uh for the restaurant space and it's free for everybody to check out and the super last thing jimmy we are going to be in dallas uh sometime in uh in september for fs tech Anybody listening out there, we've got Innovation Alley. We bring 20 of the most innovative companies down there. It's the 13th to the 15th. We've got about three spots left for Innovation Alley. If you are an early stage startup or know an early stage startup in the hospitality space that wants a turnkey booth at FS Tech and get in front of thousands of decision makers, Contact us right now, ASAP, because only three spots up. Jimmy, that's the hospital. It's it's the, the restaurant guy signing off from the headline from the hospitality hangout. Jimmy, I got I got nothing
1: else. Wow, Shazzy's doing his best impersonation of Crazy Eddie for those who <laughs> are of an age. <laughs> thank thank you, Crazy Eddie. Listen again. Thank you, Andy, and uh, for the hospitality hangout. Cheers, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.